You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. This is the Thunder Quack Podcast. The official podcast of Thunder Quack Podcast Network where anything can happen. So strap yourselves in and hold on to your butts. It's Thunderquack time! Hello and welcome back to the Thunderquack podcast, the official podcast of Thunderquack.com, which you can get early every Tuesday over at patreon.com slash thunderquack, just like our Patreon supporters, uh, Brian Morowski and JJ Samuel, Patreon producers, sorry, I should say, uh, like they do, uh, or you can wait and get it late every Friday on podcast services across the galaxy. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me on this one, Amanda is uh, still in the midst of, of her Crazy Eights uh, production schedule or whatever, so uh, so she's got this week off as well. Uh, so we, we've got, I got Curtis, Curtis Finley coming in. How's Hello. it going, Curtis? Do you want the real answer or uh, just the <laughs> fake answer? <laughs> I just want the short, sweet, let's get into the episode answer. Uh, okay, but, life uh, is busy, but that's probably the same for everybody. Let's yeah. get on with the episode. <laughs> yeah, if you want if you want the the full understanding of, of that <laughs> intro, uh, then you got to go, you got to go over to patreon.com slash thunderquack and pay for the the extended cut for for the for the uncut version that's right um, and and then you'll understand what we're talking about um <laughs> otherwise it's just an in joke to us yeah i uh curtis thank you for for subbing in for amanda especially on short notice i i i i, I had somebody else that, uh, that i was hoping i could line up but it fell through at the last minute so uh thankfully i've got guys like you uh <laughs> that that i can just kind of go like hey are you free on a monday night Who's not free on a Monday night these days? But yeah, no kidding. Um, well, and it's uh, not my turn to put my youngest to bed, so I have some time to uh, <laughs> to do this. <laughs> there we go. Um, awesome. I man, I I we we have like an actual subject that we're gonna get into in a little bit, but before we do, I we'll just kind of touch on a couple of things. I obviously the Snyder Cut just came out um, of Justice League. And uh, and maybe some of you are interested to hear what I have to say about it, knowing that I am a big Superman and DC fan. But uh, we're going to wait until Amanda is back, because obviously she will also have a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have so, nothing to say about it. Yeah, and Curtis <laughs> could kind of care less, I think, or couldn't care less, I suppose. Couldn't, um, yeah. I am. I'm pretty ambivalent toward that movie in general, so I don't know that I'll make it. Uh, I won't go out of my way to watch it. Yeah, and I would say so. So, so what? What I will say to that is, is you're totally justified in having that position, but I will say it is a, it is a much better movie than yeah, the Joss Whedon version. But but is it is it a good movie or is it a much better than that other bad movie? You know what? It's not a movie. That's the thing. It's not okay. even a movie. It's it is, um, I, what I've been saying is that it's like a cinematic opera, right? Which which kind of fits <laughs> yeah. with the the length of it being four hours, for sure, and broken into pieces. Um, 
you're going to need an intermission at some point during this. Like you're going to need to step away from it and, you know, go to the washroom, refill your drink, whatever. But um, it is almost like it, it doesn't follow a three act structure. It doesn't, uh, I, it, it, it's not traditional. Um, So it's really hard to compare because it is very much apples to oranges. I, but is it a worthwhile DC story? I think so. Okay. Um, it it's it is certainly a continuation of Batman v Superman directly, and and therefore also Man of Steel a little bit more indirectly. I think that Man of like the the tonal shift from t- Man of Steel to Batman v Superman is jarring for me like i think man of steel had a very good thing going for it and then and then bvs like threw a lot of that away um in favor of shoehorning batman into this world and and getting getting going um with a shared universe and trying to to skip a lot of the steps uh to earning that justice league continues to do the same thing. The difference is that, you know, we've had a long time to live with these characters. Now, the fact that we have two wonder woman movies and an Aquaman movie, uh, under our belt, it's like Aquaman is probably the character who is sort of serviced the least by justice league, but it yeah. doesn't really matter because we, he has his own movie and that movie is much better than justice league. Still not a great film by my standard, but much better than Justice League. Much better than than either version. Aquaman is fun. Aquaman has some really cool stuff in it. It also is pretty obnoxious at times um, and very (laughs) confused as to what type of movie it is. But that's the DCEU in a nutshell. Um, My boys tried watching that one and got bored, so they gave up. Oh, I can imagine. Um, For my money, the two best DCEU movies are Birds of Prey and Shazam. Uh, which if you haven't Shazam watched Birds awesome. of Prey, I've, I haven't watched Birds of Prey, but you got to watch great. Birds of Prey. You got to <laughs> okay. get on that. It, Birds of Prey is actually a great movie. Not, huh. not a good comic book movie, like no qualifiers here. Birds of Prey is a fantastic film. Full stop. It is also awesome that it happens to be about Harley Quinn and, yeah. and, and the, the, the Birds of Prey Huntress and, and Black Canary and like the whole, the whole crew of them. Right. Right. Um, it it's a great movie. It is a great, great, great movie. Um, it's actually one of my favorite movies from last year. I mean, like it's it's funny because we didn't really get end up getting a lot of movies last year, but the t- last two that I saw in theaters were my two favorite movies of the year. Um, and that's that like that that's Sonic and Birds of Prey, right? Um, oh, I watched Sonic. Uh... Just recently, a couple of weeks a weeks ago, with my for the boys. first time, for the first time, I uh, wow, yeah, yeah, I like you said, it, it was in theaters before. I was never really jazzed to see it. I'm not a huge Sonic fan like you are, yeah. Um, so I I just passed it up, and then the pandemic hit, and then it took a long time. I guess it came to Amazon Prime, and it just uh, I just never bothered. But the boys saw that it was there, so we watched it, and um, it was it was. Good. It was a lot of fun. It wasn't anything mind blowing. It kind of was no, a, a, it's a kids movie. Yeah, by the numbers kind of a, a, a movie, but it was it was fun. And it Milo is... loved it so much that he watched it like eight times in the next <laughs> week and a half or something like that. <laughs> yeah. He loved it. And, and how old is Milo now? He's 
nine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that nine-year-old in me that is a huge Sonic fan yeah. feels exactly the same way that he does. <laughs> like, like that, yeah. that makes perfect sense to me because like, that's exactly like that. Like the Sonic movie is exactly the movie that would have been a home run with me when I became yeah. a Sonic fan. Right. Oh, for um, sure. And like, is it, is it, is it a perfect movie? No, it's not a perfect movie. Uh, is it nope. a perfect Sonic movie? I don't even know if it's that. Like, there's some weird stuff in it, and 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 some some. It's uh, not because he goes to the human world. Yeah, I mean, like it it does that classic '90s thing, right? Um, I where you have to have your CG character go uh, share the screen with a recognizable human face, um, rather than just actually making a movie about that character. But but here's the thing: if they had tried to make a sonic movie that was just like jumping right into robotnik has a giant machine and like just like a cg you know like animated sonic movie um the story would have been garbage it would have been incomprehensible and it would it would have completely lacked anything of any meaning or like 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 sort of any any actual like connection so that wouldn't have worked anyways right and that's what a lot of people who complain about it and be like well it's not really it's not the sonic movie that we actually want it's like what is that because not a single sonic the hedgehog video game has a comprehensible good storyline yeah like like the first four sonic (laughs) games sonic sonic 2 sonic 3 and sonic and knuckles have a storyline throughout the three the four games three and a half because technically sonic and knuckles was supposed to be sonic part of sonic team but um that's a whole other story yeah it's a i don't we don't need to get into that but like this story (laughs) that's why i get confused where like when i talk about it like i talk about it like it's a trilogy but it's actually four games um but that wasn't the focus of of video games in in the 80s no it it was you just were propelled forward right it was just stop robotnik right yeah um so like like could you take that story and could you adapt it into something really really cool i think you probably could we absolutely can there's the car the cartoon the saturday morning cartoon yeah i'm really uh, have you watched the saturday morning cartoon recently it's all on amazon prime by the way yeah i've uh i have well i haven't watched it recently i watched it many years ago yeah, it's it's you know what? It's better in our memories, I think, oh, okay. than it is in reality. It's very much a, a, a stock Saturday morning cartoon show. Uh, but I love those. Way. That's why but, I had an um, 80s cartoon night at the comic book stores because yeah, I love those stock true. kind of cartoons. <laughs> this is true. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, like there are a bunch of 30 year old adult men who want a sonic the hedgehog movie that is like gritty and real and mature and it's like that you're never going to get that and if you did it wouldn't be good um so so what we got and a lot of people have said this is i'm not i'm not you know uh, uh, unique in this sentiment um but what we got is the best possible sonic the hedgehog movie that yeah. you could make you're probably like, right it, like it like I love the characters. I love the world that they set up. We got Jim Carrey as Robotnik. 
Like the, now I say all of this, I, uh, and as you said, like I'm a huge Sonic fan. I am currently wearing a Sonic the Hedgehog t-shirt and <laughs> yeah. there's a Sonic the Hedgehog Funko pop. And I don't have a lot of Funko pops, but I do have a Sonic the Hedgehog one. Right. Um, like he's sitting on my desk, staring at me as we have this conversation. I, so, you know, like I am definitely, um, I am definitely one of those 30 year old men who cares way more about Sonic than he should. But I, <laughs> But also, like, fact, I would not be sitting here having this conversation if it weren't for Sonic the Hedgehog as a character. He is he is in that geek pantheon for me of, like, that's the first comic book that I collected was Sonic. So Totally. Uh, Do you still? No, I stopped. I stopped at... So there's a story to this. So I got the first issue of Sonic, and then I missed the second issue. And I was never able to find a copy of Sonic number two because nobody was collecting it. Right. Like I'm sure like if I really, really looked now I could find one, but it is, it is like that glaring hole in my collection. Right. (laughs) And so like I collected everything from that point forward. I got, I got every single issue. Um, and I stopped at two twenty two. That was the decision that I made because I wasn't reading them anymore. I was just buying them and putting them into a box just as like I buy, I've been collecting these for, you know, uh, 15 years or however long it had been. Um, and it was just like, I can't stop now. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? <laughs> I So I just kept buying them and buying them and buying them, even though I wasn't reading them because they weren't very good. Yeah. Uh, and I, and so I made the decision at, at a certain point of like, I got to stop. I have to stop. And, and it was around issue 200. And I was like, should I stop at 200? And I was like, well, I'm missing number two so i'm gonna stop at 222 <laughs> which like is totally like arbitrary and just a silly sort of thing but that's it's where poetic. i stopped and then a few years ago they archie lost the license to it right and so they 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 stopped making them but uh well but you should have at least collected to the end of archie I know, right? Had I known that Archie Adventure Comics was gonna gonna lose, Archie Adventure label doesn't even exist anymore. But like, had I known that they were gonna gonna lose that, I probably would have kept going. But <laughs> How, what what um, number did they stop at? I don't know. I think they made it to three hundred and something. I think like oh, okay, or so something like that. There's a lot more. F- there was a, be a fun more. project for it, you. It went on for a few more years, but eh, I don't care. <laughs> I, i'm at i'm at the point now where i'm like do i even need to keep all of the stuff that i've got right like i'm really yeah i'm really looking right. at my collection and going like these are just boxes they're not i don't look at them i don't pull stuff out right like it's uh yeah i don't know i made it, that process it, too you know what i actually did the other day um as i took i uh i i did a bunch of research i've looked looked at a lot of tutorials on youtube about book binding and this has been something that's yeah. fascinated me because i'm on a i'm in part of a facebook group that is um that it's just called it's just about people who bind comic books and um and because they have these these uh, these massive collections and it's like they're just sitting in, in boxes i'd rather have it on my bookshelf rather than having to you know pull the box out of wherever it happens to be hiding i've shoved it in a closet or something and then I have to open it up and find the issue I want and take it out of the plastic and then read 20 pages. And if I want to read the next one, I got to put it back in the plastic, pull the next one up, pull the next one out of the plastic and read 20 more pages and keep doing that. 
I'd rather just pull it off of my shelf and read it. And so a lot of people are now getting into this habit of, um, of binding their comics. You can either send it to a bindery to do it professionally, or a lot of people are learning how to do it themselves. I'm like, this is quite interesting. So the other day, I found uh, in, my, in, my, in my boxes, I have a nine-issue series, a very obscure series that Marvel did in the 80s that I was like, if I, if I screw this up big time, it's not going to be the end of the world. I don't really care about this series. So I tried it. And I actually really enjoyed the process of like stitching it all together, like actually sewing with a needle to uh, put these issues together. And, uh, and then I tried making the, the hardcover backing, except I didn't cut my paper the right, or the, the card, the cardboard for the covers the right way. So I, uh, I messed it all up. So I have to redo the cover, but, um, now I have all of these boxes of comics. I'm thinking here's a nice little hobby for me while I'm watching TV in the evenings or something. I can make my own books and put them all on my bookshelf and, uh, get them out of my closets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's certainly because because my first, I would say probably the first hundred issues of my Sonic comics are not in great condition because I was a kid, I didn't know what to do, right? Right. There's no resale value there. Yeah, and it was it was the the early to mid '90s, and bags and boards were like what <laughs> like yeah, collectors exactly. definitely knew what that was, but like the like if you just walked into a comic shop. Like they didn't, they didn't bag and board all of their comics yeah. at that time. Right. That That's not something that happened until I think probably like the last 10 years where you walk in and like everything's right. been bagged and boarded already. Um, and you're, and you're paying an extra 25 cents on the cover price sort of thing. I, but at a certain point, obviously, you know, everything's bagged and boarded and, and, and nicely collected, but, um, but yeah, a lot of them are in really, really rough condition. That makes and, it perfect quality for for binds then, because you don't feel like you're you're ruining mint condition yeah. comic books or whatever. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe that's maybe when you're. Wait, wait, let me know when you run out. <laughs> I won't run out for years. I've got yeah, so many in a, comic in a books. few years when you run out, let me know and I'll and I'll and I'll I'll pay I'll, you to I'll do, do some, some custom mine. binds. Yeah, you can you can design some really nice covers. You'd have a you'd have a ball with that designing some awesome covers yes. to go on them that would be that would be the best part of it that's a lot like um i my star wars movies and stuff it's like everything's in like especially now they're all in like these weird shaped packages and stuff like that and it's just like like it doesn't all match up i hate the box set from uh man when is that like 2012 2013 the yeah. first blu-ray set that they did yeah, i yeah. hate I hate the artwork. I hate the stupid little like book fold thing that it's in because they're not, <laughs> they don't snap in right. They're in like the stupid little sleeves, which right. in my opinion, like they're just going to get damaged. Yep. Um, up. And so I look at that and I'm often like, man, I, I like, I should, I should just design my own. You should. Yeah. My own boxes so that like I can have one to nine all, you know, like all, all, all in the same style. Um, you can take it a step further than that and, and incorporate Clone Wars and, and Rebels, Rebels and, and yeah, yeah. And just have everything uh, totally uniform. Like that would be beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I, 
I, I think that and then and then it's like I start looking at like sourcing files. I've started this project like three or four times. What oh, I yeah. want, I need to find somebody who's good at 3D modeling who can do who can do all of the planets for me because what I want to do is black covers with um and then redo all of the logos from from one to nine all in one style. And not one style, like not pick one of the styles and then do that. As much as I, I love the special edition, I, the the or not the special edition, the THX versions from '95. Yeah. Um. That those those are probably like that's probably my favorite look for the boxes where they it's got the they're black and then they each one has like a like a face and then a little like montage scene. And then the right. the titles are in blue, purple, and red. Um, and they're all kind of like they're they're sim they're all in the Star Wars font, but they're all sort of like individualized, like like they have their own sort of wordmark. I love that, and it would be cool to do one through three, and then uh, seven, eight, nine in that style as well. But but what I want to do is I want to take influences from all three eras of of star wars graphic design and meld them together into one logo because i I, four through nine don't have the episode titles on on the box art right like they're like like four five six are just star wars a new hope empire strikes back right um return of the jedi right and then and then the seven eight nine all use the split star wars with the title in the middle right and then one one through three all use the the font is called trajan i i and they all have the the little star wars at the top and then episode whatever and then the subtitle like whatever the title of the movie is the phantom menace attack of the clones revenge of the sith in smaller font underneath right um, so what I want to do is basically have like the star Wars logo, like the classic star Wars logo, and then the Trajan episode number right next to it, like at the same height. Yep. And then, and then a, uh, a THX version, like style logo wordmark for each of the titles. So, so like a, 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 a nice, like word art stylized version for each one. Um, and do them in just in white, like they're just white on black. Um, and then at the bottom, like that would basically be like the top third of the, of the box of like the cover. And then the bottom third would be the, um, whatever planet, like what, like I would, I would just pick a planet from each movie. Like that I think is like the, the most iconic planet sort of for that movie. Um, and, and try and have some, some distinguishing stuff. Cause obviously when we get into the, into the sequels, all of a sudden we have, uh, Jakku and Pasana, which are both desert planets again. It's like, <laughs> just go back to Tatooine, whatever. No kidding. Um, but yeah, so it would be like, I would do like probably Naboo for, uh, either Naboo or Coruscant for Phantom Menace. I would definitely do Kamino for uh for for attack of the clones and then and then either coruscant at war uh for revenge of the sith or mustafar mustafar is probably the more iconic way to go i, I would say mustafar for sure yeah and then tatooine for a new hope the 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 original trilogy is easy tatooine for a new hope yeah uh hoth for empire and yep. 
Endor for for uh, Jedi. Yeah. And but then when you get into when you get into the sequel trilogy, it's really hard because I don't feel like they're quite as distinct. But but I'm thinking I would probably go like Star Killer Base for oh yeah uh, for um uh the Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. Yeah. And then I uh, and then I guess it would be crate for uh for for Last um, Jedi for yeah. the Last Jedi because you get that white and red right totally um and then and then for for Rise of Skywalker I don't even know because you're not gonna do Pasana because Pasana <laughs> is just another desert planet so it's gonna look like Tatooine I I'm not gonna do what planet uh, is Luke on I he's on Octo. Um, that's not a bad idea, actually. Octo would be pretty good because it's all water with the islands. Yeah, you'd get different a different color for sure than the other. That's pretty two good. It doesn't movies. feature heavily in the movie, but like, but like Exegol, like we don't even really get a good shot of Exegol as a planet, and well, it would just be blue. It would be like blue clouds. Like I don't even know. Um, yeah. So like that's that's sort of always been my plan. Uh, for them and then to have like nice spines that are all the same um, with the planet there but like but I can't I can't find high res art that's all the same yeah. quality level right. to do the planets so that's all because because I want like when I say the planet like I don't mean like the whole planet would be at the bottom it would be like the horizon sort of thing right yeah. because to me the one of the most iconic things in Star Wars is that is that first pan down Right. Of so, course. So, yeah, that'd be awesome. Like with the ships and then we see Tatooine and like all yeah. that. And then in Empire we see Hoth and like it's all like it that's such a thematic thing in Star Wars that you would have like the logo in space above a planet and that would be like the perfect cover to do. But yeah, it's just always been so I don't know. I guess I'm putting that all out there so that somebody who listens can be like, I can do that. And then hit me up, and then we'll and then we'll do that. We well, do those surely, like like thunder quack. There's got to yeah. be somebody. There has to be a few hundred listeners of the podcast. Isn't oh, with the planets, that, like with yeah, planets? but but not but nothing that's up to date. Nothing that's up to date. Nothing nothing that's also got with the, the new with the new the trilogy. planets from the from the sequels. Right, it's got to be coming um, soon. The problem. The problem is that the three eras have been treated so differently with marketing, right? Like yeah. the original trilogy has just such a mishmash of different things. And then in the in the the prequels, there's a lot of good stuff. And I was like, the visual dictionaries probably would have what I'm looking for. Right. But yeah, I would have to I'm like get the of. visual dictionaries and then I would have to scan them and then I'd have to clean them up. And like it, it would be like <laughs> just this whole thing. Um, yeah. Maybe the visual dictionaries from now. I'm, I'm, you guys are, are you looking for it right now? Away. I'm just grabbing it <laughs> to see like, let's see what planets are, are, are in here. Um, because if you were like, if you just made it an ongoing project to do a little bit of like, that, sure. Use the visual, the visual dictionaries. Scan well, them in. The, the, the thing now, the thing now is that like, like f- physical media. What? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Like I'm at the, I'm at the point where. See, this is the problem with the visual dictionaries is that like I can't really I would have to do a bunch of photoshopping to to get rid because they have like the little like call outs sitting on top of the planet. Oh, yeah. So like I'm looking at Agent Kloss right now and it's like there's the planet. It's a high res 3D render of the planet. 
what I need is somebody who works at Lucasfilm to hit me up because here's Mustafar and it's exactly what I need for my plan for, for this plan. But, but it is like, it's got like all these little call outs all over it that I would have to Photoshop off of it. Mustafar. I could actually probably do. It's not that bad. Um, it's which like, if you just, the, if you in, just want the horizon though, right. It's, you don't yeah. need to Photoshop that much. This is, this I mean, is, I haven't seen, I don't know what you're looking at. So <laughs> maybe it's yeah. really bad, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I, maybe I can do it just with these visual dictionaries. Cause. Uh, and then, you know, you just color, you just put a color filter over something and then all of a sudden it's another planet. There you this, go. This is, that, that is absolutely true. Yeah. Starkiller base and Hoth are almost exactly the same. Um, Pasana and Tatooine, not that different. I've got Pasana right here. Maybe I could, maybe I could just use these. Uh, <laughs> no, somebody, I just, somebody, at somebody, it's not even at Lucasfilm. Somebody at, at DK publishing just needs to, needs to, uh, whoever put this book together. Whoever had, had Kajimi was the planet that I was thinking of, trying to think of the name of, um, which is like that the weird planet that with just with the little village that they go to that gets blown right. up. Right. Yeah. That's a planet in Rise of Skywalker. What an awful movie this is. Uh, it's just it breaks my heart every time. Uh, <laughs> you know, there just, is. Um... I so I just googled Kijimi and there are a bunch of photos or like pictures that people have made of this planet. Yeah. I don't know I don't know if they're official or not, but uh probably I'm sure you not can find official, something. But... I, Offic- I've, official I've, enough I've... for your DVD cover or your Blu-ray yeah, covers. I have I've started on this project. Sorry, I've started on this project a few times and so like I've definitely begun the process of of in fact I think I even have like a thing in my Google Drive for it um man this is something you need to blog about or something yeah just your this whole process of you making these covers it'll also keep you accountable to actually finish it theoretically (laughs) theoretically Um, i think you should i want you to do it mike yeah i want to see the finished product and i want you to incorporate clone wars and and um, all of those shows rebels and everything yeah it's it is something that i should do just as like a just like a portfolio project of like a hey hey Lucasfilm the next time you guys need to do one of these <laughs> yeah start well, here it is in my yeah. in my Google Drive Star Wars Blu rays I've got the source what do I have here what do I got here do what you need to do in order to justify making it happen <laughs> what is this PDF that's in here oh this is accidentally saved in here that shouldn't be in there interesting what was my thought process here. Oh, I'll tell you what I was doing here. I've got a, I have a, a very high res screen cap from the Phantom Menace of the moment when the battle droids all unfold, like right yeah. at the beginning of the Battle of Naboo. Uh, and it's got that perfect shot centered on one of the battle droid heads just as it's popped up. Um, because what I was going to, because I was going to try and do the special, uh, the THX versions. And, oh, and the, okay. the yeah, helmet yeah. for the Phantom Menace was gonna be, was gonna be just that. It was gonna be the, uh, the battle nice. droid. But anyway, now you're going in a different direction. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm going in a different direction. I, uh, yeah. And then I get, I think get to write blurbs for the back of the DVD boxes. Like fun. I put your own. You can put your own star right? rating on the back of each one. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was just I was just gonna put the Thunderquack logo there next to Lucasfilm, right? Like Lucasfilm <laughs> Thunderquack. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyways, I these are the ridiculous things that you and I do with our spare time. Oh man, it's so I, funny. I, I love it. But I, <laughs> I let's let's jump into our into the topic that you wanted to talk about because I think that we got some good good meat on the bones of this one. Um, yeah, you I'll asked let you me. Intro it. You, yeah. you, you intro into it. I, I, you said, I asked you, what are we going to talk about? And, he, and you said, I, I don't know. You pick something, whatever yeah. you want. You said, whatever you want. I'm like, whatever. Anytime, I want. anytime I ask Amanda, if she's, I'm calling her out right now. She's not going to listen. Maybe she will. Sometimes she listens when she's not on. I'm calling her out though. I, any, every time that I'm like, Hey, do you have anything for the, for the show this week? Always. No. Always, every once in a while, <laughs> every once once every like five episodes, she's like, "I think I got something." Um, that I, I, I mean, like most of the time, we we kind of already like next week. We know we're just gonna talk about Justice League, but um, when on the weeks where we don't have anything, it's like, "Hey, you got something for me?" And it's always no. On the weeks well, where like, there's yeah, nothing, and like what it's do we always know? I'm so I, thinking so I was about like, this. I'm gonna make yeah. Curtis make make. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But it, I, I can understand, though, because it's like, what do we talk about? Like, you and I talk about a lot of stuff, but we yeah. don't talk about a lot of stuff that isn't already covered on one of your various podcasts, right? It's like, I don't know, we could talk about the Marvel TV shows, or we could talk about Star Wars or, or something. Um, I don't know, you definitely don't want to talk about Arrow stuff anymore. But it's like... Um, what what am I going to talk about? So the thing that I, that popped into my head, and it's something that uh, is relevant for you know this day and age, and and what society is kind of going through right now, it's this whole concept of the censoring of old material. And so recently, uh, so there's a couple of ways that this relates to me: um, stuff that I see in the in the news or come across my Facebook feed or stuff, and then stuff that I'm working on uh, with my comic book work with the Library of American Comics. And so we can get into both of this. But the, the thing that kind of happened, which is the big news recently, is that the uh, the the Dr. Seuss estate, the Theodore Geisel estate, has said that they are going to cease publications of six of their books, of their long-standing yeah. books, because of some racial depictions that are found within. And uh, the some of the the cartoon forums or comic forums or whatever that I'm a part of on Facebook here, they just kind of exploded with how dare they. And it's, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's like, why are they going to do this? And then, then I see like on, on Facebook marketplace, all of a sudden, like one of those books is selling for 200 bucks and like all this kind of stuff. But like, so my question here is, does it really, do they really need to, stop publishing does it matter that they stop publishing it what kind of difference is that going to make um like what is the purpose behind here and i come at it from a historical like look from a historian perspective Mm -hmm. because it's like these are books that were written 75 years ago almost some of them i think mulberry street is the oldest one out of that lot and it was written I can't remember the exact date, but I think it's early 40s or maybe even late 30s. Mm. And um, and so it's like, I, I for the sake of cultural history, um, I don't think that it should be, you know, taken off the off the market. But here, here's the thing: is that it's 
over the last 75 years, or however long this book has been in print, it's printed literally millions upon millions of copies of these books. So the fact that they're not going to print any new copies is really not a big deal at all. You can go to the thrift store and probably find 10 of them. Yeah, It's like, <laughs> they're going to still be in all the libraries. They're still going to be in a bunch of classrooms probably or whatever. So I mean, if you want to find them, it's not that hard. Um, the question is accessibility. Who, sh- like at this point, should they be in classrooms um, if they are um, portraying racially insensitive uh, caricatures? Yeah, and well, that's what, that's the thing that people yeah. are kind of are are skipping over. They're they're people on the forums are like they're getting all mad and hot under the collar because they feel like this is censorship. People shouldn't be censored and all this kind of stuff. But it's like, no, we want to be able to teach our kids to think appropriately. And these images, especially if you just throw the book on the table and let them read whatever in yeah. the school library. It's not teaching them anything. In fact, it's te- it's enforcing some bad thinking because you're not there to back it up. So, so, but here's the thing: it, censorship has nothing to do with this conversation, right? Right. Because it's yeah. not censorship. No, it's, it's not. It's the estate of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> it, yep. It's his children, right? Yep. Or is it children or grandchildren? But who, whoever, whoever it is, whoever makes that call, whoever's in charge of the estate right now has decided, as is absolutely their right, yeah, that they're no longer going to publish copies of this. The book hasn't been banned by the government. Right. We're not burning copies of it, right? They're not being destroyed. Nope. The, the, the publisher of the book, the person who holds the rights to those specific stories has decided that it is not in keeping with their moral compass that they continue to publish these works. Yeah, it's totally. That is a very different thing from censorship, which would be something like the publisher or the government coming in and saying, we're no longer going to do this. Now, free market, it is also within the publisher's rights to say there's racist content in these books Yes, we have published them for the last 70 years. We are no longer going to publish these because that doesn't match our values, right? Yeah. That is that is also totally within their rights as a corporate entity, legally and morally, totally within their rights. It's when the government comes in and says, we don't think that this should exist anymore, that you right. get into sticky territory. Now, it also becomes difficult I don't know about the specific content in question, but let's say, for example, the, uh, 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 a racial term that's been outmoded for a long time has been used uh, and that that would by today's standard be considered hate speech. Right. Yeah. Um, words that I am not even going to consider uttering on a podcast. Right. right. That would have been absolutely part of the, the vernacular in the 1940s. And yep. not even the sort of thing that anybody would have batted an eye at, right? If a right. book is published with that kind of language in it, and it's a book intended for an audience under the age of 18, then as adults, it is kind of our job to make sure that, that, that that's only being encountered in specific scenarios. Do, do those books have a place in the classroom? Yes, they do in the right classroom, in the right context, to the right age group. 
seven year olds. I think about yeah, no. well, high school year olds. Students. Yeah, let's have yep. a conversation about mm-hmm. this, right? Well, I think but, about a Huckleberry Finn. Have you ever read Huckleberry Finn? Yes. Yeah. That one has a lot of that very particular term that should not be said, but it's repeated over and over and over and over again. But it is a it's a culturally and historically important book that uh, is read in, in English class in high school and such. And, yeah. and it should. Like, it's still a good book, has good lessons, and it, it does open that door to talking about, you know, this, this subject with the students and such. But, uh, but you have to have that context. That's the important part. So for Dr. Seuss, um, there are no bad words in these books. Mm-hmm. They are bad. Um, the, it's the illustrations that are insensitive depictions. Yeah. So um, Mulberry Street, for instance, has a line about um, a Chinese person eating rice or whatever. And it's like, you know, the the pale yellow skin with the long pointy um, uh, mustache and, you know, that kind of stuff. And yeah. and it, in, in the book, If I Left the Zoo, there's one creature that was caught in deepest, darkest Africa. And so these caricatures of um, African natives are carrying it in a cage on their shoulders. And it's like, yeah, that's, you know, it's the quote unquote cannibal or whatever, that kind of, that kind of picture. Yeah. Uh, not okay. Um, but my question is, instead of pulling the books from it, why didn't we, why didn't they just um, create a new version? I, and I think of Hardy Boys. Hardy Boys books have been around for um, decades and decades. I think they started probably in the forties as well. And over time, they've changed the language of those books quite mm-hmm. a bit, a number of times to take out things, to either update the language, to take out the racially insensitive language. And they just published the book again, a new edition with updated language. Why can't Dr. Seuss do that too? Just instead of um, pulling it all together, uh, we just create a new version with, you know, it's just one picture in the book that needs to be changed. I don't think that that's a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that that's definitely an avenue that that they could take. Um, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's we're not talking about any of the major Doctor Seuss classics, right? Like if no, if no, Green, Green Eggs and, and Ham, ham. <laughs> had a racist depiction in it, I think that that the estate of Doctor Seuss would absolutely be looking at a way to continue publishing that book. Right. But it's like when you say Mulberry Shot, like I don't know that one. Right. You know, if, like. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're n- none of like, it's not The Grinch. It's not Cat in the Hat. It's yeah. these other ones that are lesser known. Scrambled Egg Super or whatever. And it's like, they're they're great. They are fantastic books. Um, On Beyond Zebra, another one is one of my favorites because he, Dr. Seuss has created a whole alphabet that comes after the letter Z. Mm-hmm. And it's just great. But it's got that picture in it that's not that great. So they, they pulled it. Um, but, uh, and, and actually to think that I saw it on Mulberry street is Dr. Seuss's first published kids book. And so that has a historical relevance just in that sense yeah, right there. But, uh, but like, so, so, you know, I, uh, put it in a museum. <laughs> there's, I'm sure there's a copy of it in the Smithsonian, right? Oh, like, I'm sure there is. Yeah. Like when we talk right. about historical relevance and significance that like that we have institutions for that sort of thing. Yeah. And you know, the yeah. bookstore is not one of them, right? Like, like, like we have to separate a few things. We have to separate the institution of, of, 
like like the the library the archive right like yeah. library in terms of where we store our vast human knowledge right not the library where you go and you check out a book so like you know like like a like a museum library like a like a like a smithsonian or something like that right like 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 there are places for these things and then we have to talk about the context within our education system where does this fit and how should this be utilized and then we have to talk about the free market commercial system and how that deals with it and i think like when we talk about these three different things separately they there's a different approach for each and you know like like take those take a couple of copies put them in the smithsonian put them in different different institutions around the world so like hey we have this historical piece and it's there and if somebody seeks it out they can find it right i mean like if these things are 70 years old there some of them have to be entering the public domain soon as well which then we get into a whole other thing of like (laughs) nobody owns it therefore everybody owns it therefore publish it like 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 you can't nobody can stop you from publishing it right it's right yeah like like old i i you know uh, i oswald the rabbit right like like that stuff like you just yep nobody can do anything about it now and that's one of the reasons why it's it's one of the main reasons why disney doesn't really go anywhere near that character yeah, uh, yeah. except when there's like a anniversary that they want to celebrate right like they generally leave him alone because they don't technically own him so you know they do well, something. They own the trademark of him, sure. But yeah, the, yeah. the films themselves are falling into public domain. Yeah. yeah. So so like you know like 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 there's all these like weird tricky things that start happening where it's like you can you can start making certain things happen with with that content. Um, yeah. And so I'm sure that when that happens, that'll happen. <laughs> they they when those enter the public domain, they that somebody will. I'm sure that somebody is already planning this. Somebody is already sitting on a pristine copy that they've scanned and, you know, like, uh, and they're (laughs) ready and waiting for that day because they'll be able to make a lot of money printing that book. But, um, well, the, the other part of this, this conversation is the part where, uh, where we have the mob mentality now of people who find inappropriate content and are, they jump on it to say either they say uh, there, there's one camp that says this is this shouldn't ever be seen it, we have to do something to make sure that it's never seen again and then there's the other camp who are like um, why are they trying to hide this this should be for um, it, we should we shouldn't try to change anything or whatever um, the Muppet show just came to Disney plus and yeah. I love the Muppet show and for the longest time um, Three seasons were on DVD, and the, the last two seasons were never on DVD because the first three seasons didn't sell well. And Marvel and Disney has to spend a ton of money because every song has like five songs that they need to license for this new medium or whatever, and yeah. it's like ridiculous. But it's all on Disney Plus except for two episodes, uh, and uh, for for various reasons. One is a rights a music rights issue, and the other is because the guest star is actually not a good person. So they decided to not put that episode on the streaming service, which is fine. Um, a lot of people still have a problem with that, but that's another conversation. But they put a warning in, if you go to the main menu, it's like, 
uh, or there are certain episodes have a warning that comes up before the beginning of the episode saying yeah. some there are some depictions in this episode that are not culturally sensitive and you know all this kind of stuff and i just couldn't believe the hissy fit people had online about the fact that there's like a three second disclaimer at the beginning of this episode saying hey it's here because it's like this is what they want this is what you want you you it's uncut it's yeah it's there for you. Why are you complaining now that there's like a little warning in front of it? And they're like, Disney's just being really woke and all of this kind of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I watched, I watched the, um, the, the Steve Martin episode. Um, yes. And, uh, there, there are, I think three things in the episode that I'm like, ah, I see what you guys are talking about. One of them is, is a Steve Martin joke. Part of his act, um, I, I um I think maybe it's when he's doing the balloons or something like that, or it's right before then. It's what it's one it's the time where he comes out and he's like he comes out to do his act for the guys because the joke in that episode is that the the guest uh canceled. And so so Kermit's like, Oh, we can't have a show. Or or, or no, 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 like, no, oh, no, the stage was the stage was under construction. It's not, it's Martin, not, or, they canceled the show and Steve Martin still showed up to do the show. Right? No, he's auditioning new acts. That's what it was. Oh, that's he's auditioning what it was. new yeah, acts. It's like, right. oh man, that's it's right. in my schedule this week. We're auditioning all the new <laughs> acts. So they send, uh, 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 who like, like Steve Martin was supposed to be, the, I guess, the guest, and they're, they're like, oh, we don't need you this week. You can yeah, go. Send, they send him away, and he's like, he comes oh, back in I, disguises. Yeah, so he's right. like, I got nothing better to do, so he sticks around, and, and it's a great episode. It's a fantastic yeah. episode of the Muppet Show. Totally. Um. But but there is a moment where Steve Martin is doing his act and he's he makes some comment about Chinese people and then he does like a like a like a little tune, it's <laughs> you very, know, like a sort of thing. It's very cringy. And yeah, and it's like it like and he kind of makes a face and he kind of does the thing and you're kind of like oh boy and i'm sure that steve martin if he were to watch that back would be like i really regret doing that and, yeah but totally. like but it's also a thing of like well at the time everyone was okay with it yeah. right when well, every white person was okay with it cer- certainly <laughs> <laughs> I, everyone who had the power to put that on television was fine with it yeah um and so it went on television and that was just the way that it was at the time. And I think that that's, I, I, I think it is fine for us to, if for, for Disney to decide like, okay, we're okay with airing this so long as we let people know in advance. And it's not like it comes up in that moment and goes, by the way, this is the thing we were talking about. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like it doesn't, there's not like a, like a little warning that comes up on screen and is like, this is racism. It's yeah. like they they don't hold your hand through it. They just are asking you to view this older content with a critical eye and to think about it. And and I think that that is exactly the right approach. But is it the right approach for Disney Plus, which is a babysitter for for children? Like the the kid, the mom will just put on uh Muppet Show on repeat or whatever and yes, because that's can't not on read it. That's not on Disney. Right? Like we're we're in we're in difficult territory here, but but I as as a parent, I will firmly say that is not on Disney. That's right. on you as a parent. To, so to then what's know the difference what your kids with, are watching. Yeah. 
with a Dr. Seuss book? No, nothing. There's not, I'm, I'm not saying that the, that the, the Seuss family and the publisher shouldn't be able to produce that book. I'm, I'm defending their right to say they don't want to anymore. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Totally. For them to right. say like, Hey, we're not comfortable doing this. It doesn't match our values. It doesn't match what we know this whole thing stands for. Yeah. That is within their rights. Yeah. And you're they're, saying they're, Disney can do the same thing. And I'm saying that Disney, Disney, if Disney turned around and went, Hey, the mushroom sequence in Fantasia, uh, we're going to get rid of that because the mushrooms turn into little Asian people running around yeah. and bumping into each other with their, with, with like little slits for eyes. And you know, like the whole, like the, the mushroom caps are like the, 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 um, uh, I don't know what those hats are called. What are the, do you know what those hats are called? No, but I know what you're talking I about. I just think of like people like, like in the field, like, like, you know, uh, yeah. working in, in the field, right? working in the rice. Yeah. The rice yeah. Fields. Everybody knows what we're talking about. So they're like running around doing their whole thing. And it's like, it's beautifully animated. It's to the music and like whatever, but it is definitely problematic. It's an issue. And if Disney was like, we're going to remove that, I would be like, that's a weird choice because you're editing a, a single part of Fantasia, but which is a, it's part of a larger musical sequence. Obviously they looked at that stuff and went, we're not going to do that. Right. We're going to, we're going to present this as it was. Mm-hmm. And we're going to just put the disclaimer before it, which they do. Cause I just watched Fantasia started watching it with the girls the other day. And I, I right after we watched who framed Roger rabbit, which like we can get into that, which is a whole other thing of like, where does that fall? Because by today's <laughs> standard, man, like there are, there are out and out masturbation jokes in who framed Roger rabbit yet. There's a ride in Disneyland <laughs> yeah. for Roger rabbit, right? Like, so who- yeah, Roger rabbit is not a kid's it's that's why Disney never put it on their own label. They, it was a touchstone movie. Yeah. And, and they didn't want kids to see it. I mean, like, look, 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 I watched it with the girls the other week and like I, all I that stuff with goes my boys too. way over their heads. Obviously yep. we also Absolutely. watch ghostbusters. We've also, we've watched a million things that, that I think a lot of people would look at and go like, this is not okay. But if you were yeah. to release that today, I, I think that there would be a lot of people calling for, you know, uh, uh, I guess now Bob Chapek's head and saying like, this is unbelievable that you guys would do. And it's, it's like things change. The, the world changes. I think so- sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse, the, the pendulum swings both ways. Uh, and, you know, right now in the world, we're dealing with ultra right wing conservative extremism. And, to combat that, we have the ridiculous left-wing neoliberal conservative uh, uh, neoliberalism yep. that is like the conservatives. It's so funny because it's such a flip from when we were growing up in the '90s, where the conservatives were the ones who were like, "This is all inappropriate. Censor everything." Right? Um, won't someone think of the children? Is the classic uh, right. Simpsons joke, right? I. <laughs> yeah. uh, and now it's the it's the liberal side that's like that's that's saying, won't someone think of the children? Um, and and so it, it like it just. 
we always kind of swing both ways. And then in the two thousands, it was somewhere in the middle where it was perfectly wholesome and okay for uh, Jessica Simpson to be walking around with a pair of jeans that, you know, like barely covered the pubic region (laughs) to not put too fine a point on it. But like everybody listening to this podcast knows exactly what I'm talking about with like low rate. And like, like I'll, I'll do an even more wholesome example. Mandy Moore, who was like the good Christian girl version of all of those, those pop divas in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. And like, it's, you don't have to look hard to find a picture of the area from her belly button to just above what we would consider pornographic. Like, like, and when I say just above, I mean within a centimeter of just above and no one was walking around going like, like with their arms up going like, this is unbelievable. At the time we were just like, that's what jeans look like now. Um, <laughs> and, and, and we all just kind of like accepted it because there was like a weird period. in and I think the 2000 in the early two thousands, like I think I would say from like 97 to like 2003 in that weird six year period where like no one was upset about anything really. <laughs> Like it was, it was a weird period when I look back on it and go like, there wasn't like, we were just kind of right in the middle with a lot of stuff. It wasn't, nothing was extreme. Um, and then, you know, Oh yeah. It um, takes time um, to get extreme. It it started um, in little ways. I mean, it started, I mean, it started in a very big way on September 11, 2001, but it like, and that, that has pushed us into the, the extreme, uh, right-wing conservative era that we're in right now because like it was just it was so easy to take it once step by step by step as a matter of fact leaps and bounds at a certain point um to get us to the point where where i uh, i uh, republican politics is now you know uh uh, evangelical christian politics uh and yeah. and and the whole thing is just kind of ridiculous um and 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 the like i said like the neoliberal part of that is a reaction to right it's it it, it comes out of like the it th- this comes up when we talk about like blm as well right and 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 then and antifa and all of that stuff and it's like people want to on on the right wing want to talk about these things as if they are the the cause and not a reaction to a systemic issue right antifa it's right in the name anti-fascist is a response to the fact that american politics and government have very very much swung towards a fascist dictatorship uh, especially you know with the last guy I, we were we were knocking on the door of neo-Nazi fascism and uh, and a bunch of Americans are cool with that. And so a bunch of other Americans are like, um, no, <laughs> we're not yeah, cool with that. Yeah, and the yeah. funny thing about that is, is that those Americans that are cool with it are like, you, you know, you'll pry my guns from my cold dead hand. And then they're, they're like Second Amendment. It's about us being able to defend ourselves and, and form a. a uh, citizen militia against the government if it rises up against us and then here's antifa who's like the government is literally persecuting people based on the color of their skin and we're not okay with it so we're gonna form a militia and rise up against that and they're like whoa 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 you guys can't do that you guys can't do that just us right like <laughs> it's so it's just 
there's such a failure for people to see either side because they're so far to the extreme. Hopefully that's starting to swing back into a, into the center and, and uh, not that no, centrism know. is okay by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, like just more reasonable. Yeah. Just, just into just both sides into a more reasonable place. Um, it's hard to navigate in between in the, in the in between area. So I mentioned that I, I, work with the Library of American Comics. And right now we're working on um, just the very early stages of new editions of Terry and the Pirates. And mm. I, it's, this is a comic strip that I made you read a number of years ago yeah. for an old podcast. And I'm sure you can remember the the Asian stereotypes in there because the premise of the of the whole comic strip is that these two guys go from America to Asia and... They're like, um, I don't even remember why, why they're there, um, but uh, they're, it's just full of Asian stereotypes because that's the, those are the people they live amongst in this comic strip that was done in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. And so we're doing these new editions and my boss is talking to a couple of different websites to get some, um, you know, early reviews and, and whatnot uh, uh, lined up for, for the launch. and. And one of them, she says, um, are you sure you want us to publicize this? Because, um, you know, our, we have a very liberal leaning readership and this is, it's, this is going to go over badly with them. And it's like, but can't we just put it in historical context? No, we can't. This, this, you know, these people, the, our readership, doesn't want it to exist (laughs) you know that kind of thing and it's like oh how can we just make can't we just make books and then like we the thing about these books also is that we do with our introductions and stuff we put it in the proper historical context they are collectors books they're expensive they're they're not going to get in the hands of kids but still people don't want it to be made because you know we should ignore the stuff that came before uh, which is not the right response either. Like we can't just ignore history. Um, we need to we need to make sure that history is still around so that we know where we came from and how we've evolved. Yeah, and how and to learn from it, right? I mean, yeah. and 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 I think that that's the conversation that that we had on the Pullbox podcast back then was like, yep. you know, like we we have to we have to look at this stuff to know, you know, like this is this is where culture was at a certain point. Let's. Uh, <laughs> let's remember this wasn't that long ago and we'll do better. Um, it's just interesting though, because when we published the old versions or when this publisher, I wasn't with them at the time when they published the old versions 12 years ago, they didn't have a single peep from a person yep. asking about this. And this is where we're getting, this is where we've gotten to the point where like this person doesn't want to put it on their website saying, Hey, look at this cool new version of this old comic strip because it, the, 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 the reaction from the, from the readers will be, you know, brimstone and pitchforks and torches or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, but, but I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint what it is and like where it comes from. I, like, I, I just, I do think that there, like, there's cause and effect for all of this, right? Yeah, for sure. 
I think one of the biggest things is that the the internet has made it so that we can all talk about this stuff and we can all find out just how many of us actually don't like something or do <laughs> right. like something. Yeah, that's true. Um, and it allows these groups to mobilize and organize in a way that they couldn't 12 years ago or 20 years ago, certainly not, you know, before that. So these, these pockets it's like it's like in the star wars community there's stuff going on you're a star wars fan you like star wars you have no idea that in the star wars community right now there's a battle between the alt-right and people who happen to like the fact that ray and kylo ren kiss at the end of rise of skywalker right oh yeah like like that's like that that's new information for you even though you are someone who would consider themselves a star wars fan and has a decent amount of knowledge if yep. you're not in that community and you're not you're not like actively engaging, then you know it's really easy to not know that this stuff is happening. But have you heard of Comicsgate? Well, like, and like <laughs> I mean these these guys these guys are part of comics like this alt right group. They're yeah. they're they are comic skater. It's Ethan Van Syver is one of the oh, man. the, oh, no. the ringleaders of this. Um, and yeah, exactly. All I have to do is mention the name. It's like he's he's really he's really got a reputation. Yeah. Um but but the the average person out there in the world has no idea that this is happening. Even though there are thousands of people engaged in this conversation right now. Yeah. Right? Um and so when those thousands of people mobilize, you know, like you can you can end up with with good and bad. I mean, like the Snyder cuts a really great example. Warner brothers heard that the fans wanted the Snyder cut. Well, Warner brothers also didn't pay attention to the fact and does, I don't think is fully aware. Certainly the executives at, at Warner brothers aren't aware that the people who mobilized that group did it in a very misogynistic, a very, uh, 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 like racist xenophobic way. Yeah. In a, in a lot of instances, it the, the reason why the Snyder cut happened isn't because of those fans. I think that people need to recognize that the reason that the Snyder cut happened is because of Ray Fisher and and what happened with him. Yeah. Um and him talking out speaking out against Joss Whedon and all of that. Yeah, um, yeah they needed a, a film that they could promote that didn't have Whedon's name on it. Warner Brothers needed to do damage control on that and yeah. one of the main things that they did was say, okay, we're going to release the movie as it was originally intended. We're going to let Zack Snyder finish it, knowing yep. that like Cyborg is a major part of the, the Snyder cut and his stuff was oh, trimmed so down. Oh, keep Ray Fisher enough. happy. It, yeah, I mean, like Ray Fisher isn't stopping with his crusade to make sure that everybody involved with the racism and, and uh, other garbage that went on on the set of justice league doesn't happen in the future. I mean, like, and, and it's a, it's a fight worth fighting. And I totally stand with him on that. Um, and I think that Warner brothers is still being really dodgy about it. And they like, I, but I do think that they thought we'll release the Snyder cut and this will go away. Um, they were wrong, (laughs) (laughs) but but I think that that was part of their thinking and they did it unaware of the fact that the, the vast majority of people organizing a lot of the release, the Snyder cut movement are not great people. And it's really funny because the, because what happened over the weekend 
uh, or I guess like last week as they, as they were releasing it, you know, they were doing all of these charity events um, in the lead up. And, and one of them was like Zack Snyder did a, did like a zoom call as is the, you know, like the, the, the thing of the moment to do a charity zoom call where people pay to be on this zoom call. Two of the guys that, that um, were on it are part of this, this group called geeks and gamers. And I, uh, this is a YouTube channel or something. I, I was totally unaware of them until this happened. And I really honestly don't know that much about them. Just that, you know, the, that they've said some pretty awful stuff uh, uh, in, in recent years. And uh, I, basically Zack Snyder started off this, this zoom call with like, Hey, so I just want to say, you know, like the, like basically their name is on like geeks and gamers is on like their logo is part of this chat or like this, this charity thing. But I just want everybody to know that we are in no way affiliated with them. And I, and you know, like we stand against hate and, and bigotry and like, and like he, he had like this whole thing. That was very like he. It could have been a little bit better, but but the fact that he did it in the first place, I think, was 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 huge. And these two guys are on. It's a video. It's a Zoom call, and it's recorded, and it was for public consumption. And these two guys are on it, and you can kind of see them like reacting, like, uh, <laughs> we're here in the room, and Zack Snyder is like, these guys suck. <laughs> I and we don't agree with them, and what they said sucks. And, uh, and it's so funny cause it's like these guys pay, like these guys were a big part of the release, the Snyder cut movement. And then immediately after this happens, there's like video on top of video, just these tirades of them being like, Zack Snyder is garbage. The Snyder cut is a terrible movie. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's so interesting how quickly they flipped. Yeah. Um, because now all of a sudden it wasn't serving their narrative anymore. Right. Right. right, Yeah. Um, because, because (laughs) Batman V Superman really fed into that toxic masculine landscape and it attracted a lot of those guys. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just one. I mean, fandom just does in general. Um, and 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 that's a that is above my pay grade i don't understand it fully i just know that it's happening um there's a whole thing about about the the ethan man cyber thing is is really tied into this article about how um uh breitbart and uh what's his face the the guy that looks like uh unshaved job of the hut that was working for trump years ago <laughs> i don't know um he like he knew and he mobilized fandom to radicalize trump followers basically like to to create the 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 world that we currently live in like like they've they've used social media and the internet in general as this tool to radicalize these people and the way the main avenue that they've used to do it has been fandom and when you couple that with and and, and i th- i believe that they have done this in conjunction with russia and this sounds a little bit like a conspiracy theory but we know statistic like there's statistics that back up the fact that that like there's a there's a published paper that backs up the fact that russia was behind the anti last Jedi movement after that movie came out. What? Right? Really? Yeah. There's a published paper that like, 
they they the Russian government, basically the KGB, and 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 uh, the the Russian like political system, like like their whatever system they have that keeps Putin in power and other people who would rather you know like people have freedom uh, from getting into power. I uh, whatever that system, like they basically, in order to undermine American politics, used like along with the bots that they were using to, to radicalize right-wing people. I, uh, they, they used the last Jedi as a, as a way to do it as a way to get people in there. So a lot of the discourse about like, about, uh, I, uh, Rose Tico about that character specifically about the movie being like feminist propaganda, all of these things that like these alt-right, men's rights nut jobs have latched onto a lot of it came from Russian bots on Twitter. Wow. Um, and like, there's a, like I said, there's a published paper that supports this. And I think that I, I personally believe it go watch the Comey rule, which is on HBO. I, I <laughs> which is one of the things that I've watched on HBO that taught like where like they see that, that, that this was happening, that, that Russia was using Twitter and using bots to basically like make it look like there were more of these people than there are basically like they've taken advantage of niche, um, like subcultures within the internet to, 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 to further push people into these radical positions or manipulate people into, into the beliefs that they need them to have um, yeah. for their political agenda. Right. And, and so one of the main ways to do that is to make people feel like it's normalizing it, right. Making it feel like, Oh, there's a, there's a thousand people right now saying this same thing that I'm afraid to say. Now I don't have to be afraid to say it because I know that these people have my back. Right. That's right. Yep. Which like, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a double edged sword because on the one hand, a lot of us are out there in the world saying like, uh, gay people should have the same rights as heterosexual people. Right. And the more of us say that, the more comfortable everybody is saying that the more comfortable, I, I, same sex people like, like same sex couples are with like living their lives out in the world. Right. Um, that's a positive. That's a great thing, right? Like all, all of like all the LGBTQI rights, all of that stuff. I, I, you know, like like issues of racism, all of that has benefited from us being able to all communicate across the world and say like, hey, you know, like like these these are shared beliefs amongst all people that that everybody should have the same rights. Um, but then the other side also gets the same. But then the other side, like the, it, the, because it's a tool, it can be used for good or for evil. It's like the the speech in the first Thor movie when uh, when when uh, uh, Odin gives him the hammer and he's like, "It's a hammer. It can be used to build. It can also be used to destroy." Right? Like it's yeah. that it's the, it's that exact same thing. So it's like we can create these great communities. Case in point, the community that we are presently talking to, right? We're like, I know for a fact that we have some people in our community that are definitely conservative. They are definitely right of center. But I also know 
that they are good people, that they hold a lot of the same beliefs that we do, and that having these conversations in the way that we have them on a regular basis helps keep them here in a level-headed place as opposed to spinning off into those other into those other worlds right yeah because 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 thunderquack is a place where we can reasonably have a discussion where we can say look some things about conservative ideologies are fine small government fine less government spending that fine i don't agree with it necessarily i think that we need to socialize everything in order for the world to be a better place i'm working for that star trek future right like i want to get to the federation of planets and not you know i i a dystopian thing where everything is privatized Uh, or like idiocracy i see is like the the opposite end of that right um i that like but 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 we can have that conversation and it's fine and it's like even even gun rights amanda and i had back guy in season five of arrow season five or season six when they did the, the, the specter of the gun, I think is the name of the episode. I, where gun rights were like a major talking point in that episode. And then we had our conversation about the episode and, and we actually brought on somebody that Amanda is friends with who, who believes in gun rights. Right. And and we had that conversation in a very reasonable, safe place uh, wow. where everybody was was cool about it right and like look was i convinced that people should be able to own ar-15s no and i don't think you're going to be able to convince me of that but but we can still and you have won't that convince the other guy <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like we didn't we didn't we didn't dissuade uh the guest from believing that these things were okay uh either right like but there is a there is a way to have these conversations for everybody to uh, coexist. I think bringing it back to the thing about Disney and something like the Muppet show, it's like, I think Disney is, is very much trying to walk that line. And as I always go back to the, to the quote from karate kid, Mr. Miyagi says it, he says, I, I don't, I'm not going to quote it directly because to quote it directly would be <laughs> to get into tricky, problematic territory <laughs> because quoting Mr. Miyagi directly is a difficult thing in the yeah. year 2021. So I'll paraphrase and say what he, the lesson that he teaches Daniel is like, are you going to learn karate or not? Because before you start, like you are either committed to this path or you aren't, you either walk the right side of the road or you walk on the left side of the road. Because if you walk in the middle of the road, you're gonna get run over by a car. Uh, squish like grape is, uh, I think, exactly what he says. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. One of the many reasons why Karate Kid is a phenomenal movie and one of my all-time favorites. Because it's like, because it's not just about some kid learning karate and beating up the bullies. It is like there are there are sage pieces of Yoda-like wisdom in that movie uh, that. <laughs> that I literally live my life by. And that's one of them. So, so to me, it's like, we, I I don't think that you can walk in the middle of the road without getting run over. Um, I think Disney can afford to get run over. I think that, that, that they, (laughs) I, I, much like we learn in who framed Roger rabbit, they'll just stand up and just put their thumb in their mouth and blow really hard and reinflate (laughs) themselves. But, um, 
but I think for the majority of us walking in the middle of the road is not a good idea. I, but that's not to say like, that's still to, to further the analogy. You can walk on the left side of the road or you can walk on the right side of the road on the sidewalk, but like, don't go walking off onto the right side of the road so far that you're in the middle of like the ditch. Right. With the rats. Right. <laughs> same same goes for the left side of the road. You don't want to fall into the ditch, right? Like, I hope that that analogy holds for a lot of people. I guess if you don't have, if you don't live in a place where there are ditches uh, on the side <laughs> of the road, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, but, but I think my point is made, right? It's like, like there's a, there's a reasonable place on the left and a reasonable place on the right. Uh, I, I try and live on that reasonable place on the left. Right. Yeah. Um, totally. And and I try as much as I can to understand conservative politics, because when you when you stop trying, that's kind of when we're all screwed. Right. It was when people don't even try. So I think like what you're talking about with Terry and the Pirates, it's like that, like like those people have decided that they're going to stop trying to understand the other side of the argument and that that whatever they choose to believe is is truth. I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb. I'm going to make a bit of a crazy statement here. Uh-oh. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the the generation that we're a part of is the beginning of of our society not really having core moral ideologies. And that's because people are moving away from religion as their core moral ideology. We don't have a structure for it that people I think are consciously aware of. This is the thing for me. That's really frustrating. Western civilization, uh, certainly Canada and the United States and a lot of South America, a lot of Europe is, is based. Our, our ideologies are based on Christian fundamentals, right? Right. Yeah. Now, are they based on actual teachings of Christ? That's a different thing. Christian fundamentals are different from what's actually in the Bible. Uh, and that's a whole other conversation. But our laws, our systems of government, our, our uh, systems of justice, uh, they are they are very much built around these ideologies. So I would say that it's it's almost impossible at this point to get away from that without dismantling those systems. I think that some of those systems do need to be dismantled because they are built on flawed understandings of Christian ideology. But I but we have a we have a whole generation and as I see this getting more and more um, prominent with every generation. So it's like Gen X kind of has it a little bit, but they're still, their parents were still very, very uh, religious and moral in that sense. Um, and so they grew up with media that was teaching them in those ways. They created media that was subversive to that. So the next generation millennials that came up after that are, were a little bit more, I think savvy to it, but it, but also a little bit like we've been taught not to respect people's religions, which I think is a problem um, because I think everybody has a right to their religion. Right. Like that's where I said, like, I, I, I think that that 
extends as far as it encroaches on human rights. Um, so, you know, like if your uh, evangelical Christian belief is that gay people should be eradicated, then, you know, like we have a difference of opinion here that goes beyond difference of opinion um, because, because <laughs> right. you're encroaching on human rights. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but I do, th- I do think that, that millennials have not been taught to respect other people's right to freedom of religion. And that's created an extremism of its own where, where, you know, people feel this ridiculous, especially I think Gen Xers who do believe, like do have a strong religious belief, feel like they have to defend that religious belief violently at times. Right. So like it's, it's, and that the, and I, I think that that comes out of a lack of respect, but I, it just, it pushes people into those extremes. It's not an excuse for the behavior. It's just a causation in my opinion. Um, and I'm like, I am like, I don't have any science to back this up. This is just what I see. But then I see Gen Y, uh, uh, sorry, Gen Z coming up after us and like, who knows what that's going to be like. What I see right now in the, in the, in the, the, like the cusp Gen Z, like the, the, the millennial Gen Z cuspers is just, is like not a lack of respect, but just a total disrespect for a lot of things that they consider to be, uh, uh, problematic without really understanding them. Um, and they're teenagers right now. So that that'll change over time. And, and, and I just tweeted about this today. I think that it's our job as adults (laughs) to, to guide them in that. And if, and, and if we're not doing that, if we're just talking down to them and being derisive and, uh, and, and, uh, and insulting to them, then we're not going to get very far with this conversation because they're just going to dismiss us the way that we dismissed adults when we were teenagers that, that said like your ideas are stupid. Um, so what I said on Twitter and what I'll say here is like, don't, don't be those adults, be the adult you wish you had in your life when you were 16. Right. That like, that's going to sit down with you and have a conversation with you and say like, okay, what are your ideas? And like, and, and not just to placate them, but to like really listen because like they do, they do have good ideas about the way that the world should be and, and about changing things. They also lack the, the experience and knowledge to understand that we can't just completely dismantle the economic system overnight. Uh, you know, like that a lot of people would go hungry and there would be a lot of problems in the interim. If we did that, it's certainly one solution to the problem. It's not the best way to do it. Right. Um, but but if we don't have like again like to me it's it is it all comes down to having open dialogue and respect on both sides of it um as far as it extends to like like, like that that line for me personally and and what i think that line should be is when it encroaches on human rights will we all agree to be everyone's human rights which like no one should be persecuted for their their uh, sexuality, their their gender, their identity, their religion, their political affiliation, unless right. that political affiliation or that religion is specifically centered around taking rights away from other people. That's why we can punch Nazis 
but not just Republicans, right? Like, <laughs> I, that's where that line is, is that like the sole purpose of, of a neo-Nazi party is the extermination of certain types of people. Um, and, and, and they'll be like, well, hey, no, we're just talking about we just want to have a homeland right? That's ours for white people. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you're saying is that the land that you currently occupy is that homeland, but you share that land with other people. And also that land didn't belong to you in the first place. So, you know, like your, your whole argument is inherently flawed um, because what you're saying is that the people who were here first should all be killed. And the people that we forced to come over here and work our land and that we generated wealth off of, they should also be killed unless they leave. Like they can leave. But, you know, like, it's just the whole thing is ridiculous. I think we all understand that Nazis are wrong. But um, everybody yeah. listening to this understands that the Nazis are wrong. The problem <laughs> is that we're currently living in a world where a lot of people don't seem to understand that Nazis are wrong and they're bad and they don't deserve a seat at the table. Um, but, yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about a lot of things we've gone into a lot of territory with this one but i i, I we yeah. should probably wrap it up we can keep going it's been like an hour and a half yeah i mean i didn't have an actual like end point or conclusion you don't have an answer you don't have the point. solution yeah, it's just a conversation right well geez <laughs> that was really irresponsible <gasps> Oh man! Uh, well, that's what you get for letting me pick the topic. <laughs> I, I no, it's good. I mean, like, and I think that that a lot of the time when we get into these conversations, Amanda and I are very fond of saying, like, we don't have the answers to this. No, we're just talking about this, and and also like, I reserve the right to turn around in a month and say that I was an idiot for saying any of the stuff that I said on this, because we also need to normalize the idea of like, like of change it's, it's okay to have uh, a it's conversation okay to learn. and then yeah. if some if i welcome and i know that several of you know this for a fact because you have written me emails or talked to me on facebook or twitter or whatever and said like hey you guys said xyz on the last episode i just want you to know i have a problem with that for these reasons and you could like like i i am so grateful that we have listeners that come to us in like a totally respectful and open way and vulnerable way, because it's very, I think it's really vulnerable to come up to somebody who you listen to their podcast, which means that like to a certain degree, I hope that you respect my opinions in, in that way, right? Like they, they, that you appreciate them. So it's difficult to go up to somebody that whose opinions you do admire and say like, Hey, you said a thing that I have a problem with. Um, but I love it. I love that. Cause it's an open dialogue with our listeners. Um, who like many of whom are, are just at this point friends. Um, and that's the way that it should be. In my opinion, is that we have this conversation and maybe I said some stuff that was, that was wrong or, uh, you know, like I have a, I have a skewed opinion of it because of my lived experience and, and, and I'm totally open to hearing what other people have to say taking yep. that in and then and i reserve the right to say that i was an idiot and i was wrong for saying what i said you know um but we also have to give each other i think like like to me the best word for it is grace like the grace to uh make those mistakes publicly and learn from them and grow from them and that's one of the things for me of like like let let that this stuff exist if it exists 
because we have to kind of we have to be forgiving. <laughs> we have to be able to say like, hey, you know, we were dumb back then and we're smarter now. <laughs> we're better as a society. We're better as a people. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we just keep making the same mistakes and we let nationalism sprout back up in our backyard, you know, because it because that is what has happened is that a whole generation was not taught the folly of world war two. And uh, I, when I say that, I mean like, that's like, that's gen X and that's millennials. Like we have not properly been taught what happened and why. Um, yeah. Certainly and that happens America, as we get further yeah. and further away. Yeah. From all but, of that. I, you know, it's I. Uh, yeah, we got we got to learn from the past and do a better job in the future. So, but we can't do that by okay. forgetting the past, right? So, yeah. Uh, there we go. That's that's it. That's it. That's as that's as much of a cap on it as you guys are gonna get tonight. I uh, uh, Curtis, thank you so much for uh, for 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 being on this episode. Um, where where can people find you? You, you get well, all the plugs. I have uh, my own podcast called the Epic Marvel Podcast. We talk about Marvel comics, the old stuff, and uh, not the movies. Sorry to alienate a whole bunch of you guys, but <laughs> well, we have we have our own podcast now to That's talk true. about the movies, right? So very true. Um, but you can go to epicmarvelpodcast.com and search that up, or you can go to any of your favorite podcast apps, like. I don't know, all of them, <laughs> Stitcher and Spotify and iTunes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, all the social media on there. You just got to search Epic Marvel Podcast. You can find it on Google and then I'll uh, I'll be up there in a number <laughs> of different places. It's easy to find me. Yeah, figure it out for yourselves, guys. Yeah. Uh, right. No, it's not that hard. Yeah, we, 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 I think we did a pretty good job of... Uh, actually cornering the market maximizing on Epic Marvel podcast. it's <laughs> yep. it's actually it, look hey i uh, because arrow is done and quiver is done i uh, uh, epic marvel podcast is the biggest podcast on the thunderquack podcast network nice so, hey i like that um yeah uh so we you know we must have done something right in terms of the seo and all of that i think it's I think very so. simply like it's it is <laughs> it is what it says on the box <laughs> Which I think is the best part of it. It's like you know what you're getting. Um, yep, I'm tr- I didn't want to be clever or anything like that. No. I just wanted it to say exactly what it was going to be. That's exactly what it is on the box, not like the Thunderquack yeah. podcast. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> yeah. I, but anyways, we kind of fell backwards into the name of this podcast. Yeah. I, anyways, thank you again for being on the podcast. Uh, you guys know where to find me uh, at Arkwolf A R K W U L F on Twitter and Instagram. I uh, and uh, with that. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, man, oh, this is, Amanda has her sign off, but Amanda's not here. But no, it's a, you get you, you do do uh, do the pull box sign off. Do you remember it? Uh, yes, I do. Okay, so I'll just say thank you guys for listening. Okay, uh, we'll be back next week. Amanda and I will be back next week to talk about Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Uh, so we'll see you then. I keep reading comics. Follow the Thunderquack Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching the Thunderquack Podcast. You can support us in three ways. First, by heading to the podcast service of your choice and leaving a rating and review. 
Second, by going to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch from your favorite podcasts. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support and get cool rewards like early access and extended episodes. The Thunderquack Podcast is the official podcast of thunderquack.com. Head to thunderquack.com to discover more great podcasts.